If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Quantum Revenue Expansion, where we keep you motivated, inspired, and thinking big. Up-leveling into quantum revenue is a choice that we can all make in any moment and then continue to make that choice to stay in that space each day. On this podcast, Ursula will share revenue growth strategies to reach your next level and introduce you to CEOs just like you who are making it happen. What's your next quantum leap going to be? See it, own it, and take that first step. If this is you, then Ursula wants to invite you to join us at the next 2X Intensive now. Go to salescoachnow.com slash apply. You're listening to Quantum Revenue Expansion with your host, Ursula Menchez. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Quantum Revenue Expansion, where you turn your annual income into your monthly income. Super excited to be hanging out with my guest today, Will Nitza, because we're going to be talking about revenue growth is downstream of operational excellence. And in this time, this still very interesting time as we're recording this, we are in November of 2021, over like 19 months into the pandemic, there are supply chain issues. There's a lot happening in the world, things that are definitely affecting Will's company and might be affecting you as well. So we're going to talk about all of those things and how you can still continue to grow your company in this interesting time. So Will, I just wanna say hello and welcome to Quantum Revenue Expansion. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to hang out for a little bit, hear all about your business and inspire our listeners. Before we do that, a couple of things. If you haven't yet, go to ursulainc.co. We have Quantum Revenue Expansion, the masterclass, where I break down three areas for you to grow your business. Number one, how to create an exponential quantum revenue container. Another word for that is just like 2X or 10X your sales. Where do you want to go next? We also talk about how to up-level your pricing, your packages, and your marketing, which has been a huge conversation at the CEO table the last few months. And our clients really talking about what it takes to, you know, increase pricing, increase, you know, what they know they're worth so they can get to that next level, but also really honoring their clients and customers at the highest point. And then finally, we talk about how to collapse time and reach your quantum revenue goals even faster. And there's a few ways to do that. And you definitely want to listen in to find out. So go to UrsulaInc.co. And I made it so easy. Just go to the, you guys know this, like go to the homepage. It's sitting right there. You'll find it and you can get that course. Also, if you want to come out and hang with us on Zoom, <laughs> where we're all hanging out these days and 
really focus on 2xing your revenue, you can come to the 2x intensive. If you're interested, just go to UrsulaInc.co forward slash apply, send us a few of your details and my team will get you all the stuff about the 2x intensive when it's coming up next and how you can come and play. All right. With that, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Will Nitza, who I've just gotten to know because someone on his team reached out to us to be on quantum revenue expansion. I'm super picky, Will. Like I was like, we're researching you. I want to know about what you're up to. And we haven't had anyone on the show who is in the space of health food. So I think this is really interesting. Will is the founder and CEO of IQ Bar, a Boston-based brain and body nutrition company. After studying psychology as an undergrad at Harvard, Will became fascinated with the human brain and how it functions. And we're super interested in that as well here. Then in his mid-20s, he experienced chronic failings with his own brain, including daily headaches that he traced back to his high-carb diet. By limiting staples like bread and pasta from his regimen, he staged an astounding cognitive recovery, which I'm sure he's going to tell us about. So, so Will, let's, let's start there. I and mean, that's a pretty interesting problem that you had to solve for yourself, which led you to launch this company. So tell us your story, if you would. Sure, sure. So I uh, did not want, know what I wanted to do at all in, in college, but I got really, really interested in psychology and, and neuroscience and wanted to do something in those fields professionally. But I was also obsessed with startups and business. Um, that was, you know, in the early 20 teens and um, just when startups were becoming, you know, quote unquote, cool or cooler. Um, and so I didn't really know how to like meld those two things together. And effectively, I, I couldn't figure out a way to do that. So I took a job in software, uh, selling and marketing software right out of college and was working really long hours um, and just started feeling terrible, terribly uh, physically. And a lot of it was due to my diet. I, I soon learned um, you know, also sleep and exercise, but a, a huge chunk was diet. And so I became obsessed with, with diet and not really diet insofar as I was trying to lose weight or like get buff or, or whatever, why, why a lot of people focus on diet. I was exclusively interested in it due to the way it made me think about both positively or negatively. In that case, negatively, I read a couple of books that this one book called Green Brain was the one that like totally blew my mind, which effectively David Perlmutter is saying, you know, if you eat a high carb diet over tens of years, stuff just starts going wrong. You, you know, you, you on on the high end, you, you might just think slower and have more headaches and have a more inflamed brain. And on the on the worst end, you might get a neurodegenerative disease. So I became obsessed with this idea then of brain food. Like why is no one creating a quote unquote ready to eat brain food um, that someone can buy off a, a store shelf? Um, and so, yeah, I started tinkering in my, in my kitchen at nights and on weekends. And that was what, what kicked it all off. Got it. Excellent. And so, and how, when was that? How long ago was that? Uh, I really started doing that tinkering in 2016, 2017. Um, the, we, we launched, the culmination of that was launching a crowdfunding campaign in, in uh, December, December 17 to Jan 18. Uh, so that was, and then we didn't fulfill our first order. Really when the company began was when we fulfilled our first order in mid 2018. Gotcha. Got it. So 
you've had the business for not for very long, for a few years. And then mm -hmm. the pandemic arrived, which I'm guessing has either in some ways really helped your business as we're at home ordering food or, you know, really looking at improving ourselves in this, this interesting time that we're in. So tell us about that. So what's happened the last few years in terms of the business growth and how has the pandemic impacted your company? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like I, the way I phrase it is like, there's a spectrum of ways companies got hit by the pandemic. There's like the worst situation, which is like our restaurant. Right. And then there's the best situation, which is like, zoom or really any like tech company or company that centers on you being in your living room on a computer and then there's everything in between um and so i'd say we were in between i mean there's there were certain not great dynamics like for example um bar sales in brick and mortar stores really stagnated people went towards um you know more bulk items and, and different categories um, but e-commerce conversely like exploded because everyone's ordering everything online and everyone's not going to restaurants and everyone's just buying packaged food. So it was a mixed bag, but on, on, you know, net, net, it was, it was a positive for us. Yeah. And on the front end, before we jumped on, you, you hinted at sort of supply chain situation. Is that, how's that affecting you? Yeah. I mean, that's honestly the biggest impact, um, certainly a, very negative impact on really anyone that makes anything, anything tangible. Um, I mean, obviously it's in the news every day about like microchips being so short that we can't buy cars. And right. I mean, it's affected everything. We, we buy something like 43 inputs into our, all of our SKUs. And so all it takes is one of those inputs to fail the supply chain for it to fail and the whole thing blows up. And so, you know, one small anecdote is like we imported wrappers and this was in May and our wrappers were sitting at a rail yard in Chicago uh, since late May. And we just got them last week. So if you don't have wrappers, you can't wrap right. product, uh, right. obviously. And so it's just created like constant fires like that, that you just have to come up with creative solutions to. So what was your creative solution before the wrappers showed up or did you have, enough? um, I, you know, found someone else to make wrappers basically, but it's like the, the tricky thing about my world is everything has a long lead time. So, and especially now, cause you're getting, it's kind of a double whammy. You have, um, you know, supply chains are all busted cause the ports are all busted and, and then you have a labor crisis, right? So like, nobody can find labor right now. Also, I'm sure listeners have heard that in the news, but, or experienced it personally, but um, so it, it's like, you're getting hit by both of those forces. Um, and unfortunately there's no end in, in sight. So it's just like, you know, you can fix a problem, but then there's like a four week lead time for that problem actually to be fixed. So it's like, Oh, we don't have rappers like scramble, and do all these things to make this other vendor make it and then sit on your hands for four weeks because it right. just is what it is. Right. Yeah, well, I feel your pain on that. So how, I mean, it sounds like the company has still been able to grow. You've gotten it into some amazing retails. You wanna talk about that, how, you, how you've expanded in that way? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we were born on e-commerce and we're still, most of our business is still e-commerce, um, but we're definitely an omni-channel business. Um, so we, you know, sell in retailers like Walmart, Kroger, Rite Aid, Wegmans, um, and others, you know, Sprouts Market. Um, so we have a pretty big footprint across, across the country in a brick and mortar context. Um, but we, but again, mo- most of our business is still, is still e-commerce. So um, it, it's almost like running two different companies. There's competing, you know, totally different P&Ls, um, you know, brick and mortar co- revenue comes in chunks, whereas e-commerce is like a more reliable, like trickle that you can increase. Um, so it really is like two different businesses, but to truly scale and have both of them be synergistic with the other, you know, we found it to be helpful to be omni-channel. Yeah, got it. Got it. Well, congratulations on all of those, those retailers. And the, I hear you on, yeah, having a steady stream of income from um, your online part of your business. So obviously we're talking about revenue growth being downstream of operational excellence. How does that show up in your company? It's uh <laughs> It's like, it's in a pretty simple way. If you, if you, it's simple, I guess, at a high level and complex when you get into the details. So simply put, if you don't make things and have things, you can't sell things. And it's been very hard to make things and, and get people to send things um, to dovetail with, with my earlier comments. And so just being like excellent, the, 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 you could have a wider margin for error in operations and supply chain excellence two years ago than you can today, I guess is a succinct way of saying it. You need to be truly excellent at micro pivoting, operationally speaking, on a weekly or even daily basis just to make the things you need to make. Yeah. And so from the outside in, you're like, well, why can't you just, just make more of something? And it's like, well, if I showed you like the, the, the tree, the supply chain tree that culminated in that thing in a package at the end and how every branch of that tree is like fraught with risk right now, you don't, you'd get it. Um, and so we've just had to have, you know, a really excellent people in ops and supply chain and just be like on it, like, like better planning, better organization, um, buying stuff earlier, making more, so, you know, buying more inventory, um, having buffers. So it's just being on top of all of that is the only way to continue, you know, growing revenue yeah. in, in this time. Yeah, you, I think you hinted at, I think you said an operational manager, an ops manager, a team, right? I mean, there's the supplies, but then there's also the people that have to lead this and make it happen. And we're in what some people call the great resignation. And you mentioned that as well. Like it's a tough time to find, it's a tough time to find team, find great people. So how are you leading in this time? How are you inspiring people to stay, to want to be in what's probably a really challenging time inside of your business? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting topic. It's like the, I think we've come full circle from like the, you know, ping pong table and, um, <laughs> you know, nap pod era 
And we're now in the like, you know, remote work, like people just care about different stuff. And, and, and at its core, it seems like the themes and the, the great resignation is people want a couple of things. They want, many of them want to be remote. Like they like yep. being remote. They want to live in Boise, Idaho or whatever, instead of like Manhattan. And that that's a big one, obviously, but probably even bigger is like fulfillment. I mean, it seems most people are, just kind of like a buzzword, but, you know, people want to feel like they're progressing their career, knowledge base, fulfillment, happiness. Like they, they just don't want to dread going to work on Monday. And so for me, like I've never found that you, you make someone not dread going to work by like, you know, silly perks, but honestly, like, I think it has to be woven into the mission of what you're doing, like are inherent to the mission of what you're doing. And I think part of that is like hiring people who inherently are want to do that and are interested in it. So like, if you, you know, I run a health food company, like you probably want to hire people who care about health food, you know, at, at its core, right? Like your odds of that person caring about business ops is higher if that is true, but also like give people responsibility and let them run with things um and because it's like you know we're a small business we can't if if someone's not inherently interested in what our what we're doing yeah it's really hard to just like ticky tacky add incentives here and there and to keep them around like so i think a lot of that is just like good hiring um so, but yeah, well, I think you nail it when you talk about mission. I, so one thing I'm hearing over and over again is from our clients and our colleagues is if if people don't buy into your mission, they're not going to stay. Like it's we're in a time of like people want to know that you're up to something and that's an important mission that you actually care about what you're up to so that they can be part of that. And if they think you don't care, they're they're probably gone. Which is an in, like it's a it's a massive shift because I think people are way more confident right now than ever before that they can find the next opportunity, whatever that might be for them. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about money. What, like his, when you, you had the mission for the company, you wanted to give people brain food, easy access to brain food. In, and it showed up in the IQ bar. So how has the revenue growth or just money played into you growing this company? Like, did you have clear goals when you said, like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to hit our first six figures, seven figures, whatever. How's that shown up for you? I wish I had a more elegant response to that. <laughs> um, I had no idea. Um, I had no I, response. I, at, at the early outset, certainly you have no idea because it's just an idea and you're like, Does, is it, you don't even know if the idea is validated, right? So we did and you just, you get better at predicting stuff as you get more data points. So, you know, with the, the crowdfunding campaign we sold between Kickstarter and Indiegogo, about $90,000 worth of product. And so we're like, okay, you know, that's like almost six figures. We did that in a couple of months. Like, okay, we could, if we really executed, we could be like a seven figure a year business, like pretty quickly. And and then, you know, once we, in our first full year, which was 2019, we did just over 2 million in revenue and we're like, okay, we did 2 million in revenue. 
you know, here's our footprint. We've only exploited this percentage of the market. You know, we're resonating in these areas. Like how much bigger can we be in those areas? Like, and effectively it's that, but also critically on the cash front, it's like, do, you know, we live in a, I operate in a cash intensive business and inventory intensive business. So, you know, you have to bake in like your cash on hand to all of, all of those desires and projections and, and whatnot. And so it's, it's, it's the coupling of like, what could we do? And then like, what do we have the cash to do? Right. Um, and that's become more and more and more and more important uh, because again, in, in a tough supply chain context, you're buying more stuff earlier. And so you're outlaying more cash earlier and every production run we do is the biggest one we've ever done. And so, and you're not living in, we're not a jewelry company, right? We don't have 90% margins. So if you're in like a 30, 40, 50% margin game and you're, you're buying tons and tons and tons of inventory and every inventory buys the biggest you've ever done, you know, you start needing <laughs> to get really creative of, in terms of financing. So, so yeah, so I mean, our, our rough goal is to double every year. Um, top line. And so our quest and, you know, that's partially arbitrary, partially based on just what we've been able to do. Um, and, and so the question again, then becomes how do you do that? And more specifically, how do you finance that growth? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd love to know the answer to that because we have listeners and some of our clients who are in the same boat right now. I mean, is it a combination of working with your working with your banks, working with um, angel investors, working with who, what's worked for you? I mean, so at the outset, it's, it's certainly investors. So, you know, we, we've, we um, raise money from angel investors and I would look the closest you can get to like bootstrapping, if that's even a real you know thing, um, the better. And so what's like right adjacent to bootstrapping it's angel investing. And so, okay, find people who have money. You can write 10, 20, $30,000 checks. And that's like phase one of the business and then scale until you get enough revenue where, I mean, honestly, I would say raise from angels as, as take that as far as you can and down your company's life cycle. Eventually though, you're at least in my type of business, you're going to need call it two, three, four or $5 million. But my sort of thinking has always been raise as little as possible to get us to the next milestone. Because your your obvious your your valuation step change, you want to keep going up. And so each time you raise money, you want to raise the the cheapest money, quote unquote, possible. Um, but eventually, you get to a certain uh, scale such that you can start getting more creative with with financing in non dilutive ways. So there's a whole boom of non dilutive. Um, financing uh, companies happening right now. There's like ClearCo, which is formerly known as ClearBank, Wayflyer. Um, I mean, I get an email from one of them every day, right? It, it's like this booming market, people trying to give money to people like me, but you have to get a certain scale to where they'll give you the money and they'll give you enough, enough money. And then, so it's a combination of like, re that's generally termed revenue-based financing. Um, so basically they take a cut of your revenue on a weekly or monthly basis and you pay down that principle of cash that they gave you. And then there's more traditional stuff like, you know, small business administration loans, SBA loans, 
um, a bank line of credit. Um, th those are all really tough to get as a, if you're a company that's, you know, if you go to Bank of America and you say, hey, I want a $2 million line of credit, they'll say, great, show me two profitable tax returns. And of course you say, well, I don't have that. And they say, well, great, take a hike. Um, and so it's just very hard to get traditional lending. Um, but you can, if you're smart about it, you can cobble together a number of different um, other funding sources. Yeah, cool. Thank you. That was really helpful, I'm sure, for, for a lot of our listeners. So coming back to money, um, when you look back at the trajectory of the growth of your business, did you hit, did you hit some income ceilings where, where you kind of plateaued for a while or looking back, like any tips that you have on how to move through a plateau or an income ceiling? You know, we haven't really hit income ceiling. I mean, so certainly you can hit, I wouldn't even call it a ceiling because I, I think there's still a lot of room to go, but you can sort of start hitting a ceiling in a channel. Um, but there's, there's a zillion ways to grow your top line, right? So one way is, okay, I'm going to make a one, one form factor thing. So maybe I'm RX bar and I'm just going to go all in on bars and I'm going to go all in on grocery. And so I'm going to sell the Whole Foods and Kroger and yada, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to hit a ceiling there. You're going to saturate that vertical, but there's 50 other verticals, right? And so now you've saturated grocery, go to big box, so Walmart and Target, and Costco. Okay, we, we, we did that. Okay, let's go to independence. So like tens of thousands of independents, right? So, you know, in my experience, you know, you can saturate certain channels or come close to saturating or, or even not even like coming close to saturating, your growth just slows, right? And if yeah. you want to keep a certain growth rate, you need to supplement that in some way. So there's really two ways to do that. Go into new verticals or introduce new form factors, or that's how I think of things. You might say just introduce a new product type sure. um, and attack that same vertical, right? Or you can do both at the same time, right? So, you know, for us, it's, it's, it, it's actually, we are kind of doing both at the same time. So we started in bars, right? And now we're moving into hydration stick packs. And so mm -hmm. you can go back to the well, you, let's say the well is Amazon. That's your vertical you're talking about. We'll just run back the same playbook with a new form factor and a new offering. Of course, it has to be coherent and your umbrella of products or services or whatever right. has to be coherent and make sense together. But if it's non-cannibalizing, for example, you never drink a hydration drink instead of a protein bar. It's, 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 all, it's additive. Um, so if it's not, whereas you might eat a bag of chips instead of a protein bar, right? So that's partial, at least partially cannibalizing. So um, our sort of thinking is introduce new non-cannibalizing form factors and run back the same strategy in the same channels um, and you can go pretty damn, pretty damn far by doing that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what, so in the next two years, how many products do you want to release? So you have, you have the bar, you have now it's hydration. What comes next? Any? Um, so, so we're trying to be like a brain and body platform. Platform is the buzzword uh, in that context. So Again, we want to create things that are non-cannibalizing. They are ship friendly. They're 
not cold chain, so they're shelf stable. They are long shelf life, so minimum of one year shelf life. So we have a whole checklist of things. Um, and so a third example might be, for instance, instant coffee, right? So you never eat a bar instead of a drink of coffee, or you never drink a hydration mix instead of drink of coffee. Right? So the, the goal is how do you attack different parts of a person's day and saturate their day? So when people wake up, they drink coffee. And then when they need a snack, let's say they eat a bar. And when they go for their afternoon run, they need a hydration mix, right? So how do you kind of wedge yourself in? Um, to, to, to their whole day. And so, and then there's like sleep, right? So like so many people now like have a sleep strategy. So they'll take melatonin or they'll take bedtime tea or they'll do something to prepare for, for sleep. Right. So that's a whole other category we're interested in. Gotcha. Yeah. Got it. makes sense. And I'm just, I'm asking, you know, for our listeners to really think about, you know, how they expand. Cause I think people can get super stuck really quickly. And I love what you said, the platform, like what's the platform. So for you, the overall platform is really the overall health of someone and following them throughout their entire day. So that's a great way to say it. All right. So final say we have CEOs from all over, right? All over the world and in many different stages of business and some who've been listening for a long time, what's your best piece of advice for them in this, I would say, interesting time we're still in. My best piece of advice for CEOs, I mean, I get it's, it's, a, it's a little bit trite and it's a little bit oversimplified, but be product obsessed. Like everything we're talking about revenue being downstream of ops, everything is downstream of the product. So I'm obsessed with this new concept of product led growth, which is like a company like Slack, right? You use Slack and then tell your friend, you're like, hey, are you using this new thing Slack? It makes communicating at work so much easier. Or Calendly, you send them a Calendly and they're like, whoa, that was really easy. I'm going to start using Calendly. Like the product is so good that it's inherently viral and people inherently want to promote it themselves. And so I live in a world of the standard world of customer acquisition cost versus lifetime value. The cheapest way to acquire customers is to keep them and have them like the thing you sold them and talk about the thing you sold them. And so if you're looking at places to invest time and money, it's like almost always product, product, product is like, is where my mind goes because everything is downstream of that. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So really, yeah. Product centric, really focusing on, on where it's going to go next. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you have a brilliant, no pun intended. You have a brilliant IQ bar and it's, I can't wait to see what happens for you in terms of expansion. I do have some ideas I've, uh, in terms of other podcasts. I think that would love to have you. So just um, where can we get it? So, and I think you have something special for our listeners if they want to get an IQ bar and try it out. Totally, totally. So our website is eatiqbar.com, E-A-T-I-Q-B-A-R.com. And so, yeah, we made quantum 25 is a, is a discount code that, that listeners can use to get 25% off. And we're also on Amazon. If, if you prefer to shop on Amazon, if you're near a Walmart or a Kroger or a Sprouts or a Rite Aid, pop in there. But the best spot is, is definitely our website and Quantum 25 would be a discount Beautiful. for you. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes. So go to eat, uh, eatiqbar.com, Quantum 25 to get 25% off. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out with us and sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and we wish you an incredible um, rest of 2021 into 2022 and beyond. And we'll look for the bar out there. So thanks for being here. Likewise. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners everywhere, we appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out. If you have a guest that you'd like me to interview, send them our way at Ursula at UrsulaInc.co. And, or if you have topics you'd like me to talk about. All right, everybody, that's it for this week. Make this your most epic month yet. Bye guys. Thank you for joining us today. And if you are ready to make your next quantum leap, let's do it. Ursula invites you to join us at the 2X Intensive. Go to salescoachnow.com slash apply. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. 